Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation based around action learning starting late April. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 918206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is the owner of the Wheelhouse Cafe in Burtonport, John Reilly. 14 people are employed at the Wheelhouse and John is set to create four new jobs when his grappling site opens in June. John moved from Scotland to Burtonport as a 10-year-old in 1976 and became a full-time fisherman at the age of 16. He began working for the McHugh family from Killy Beggs in 1993 and skippered the new Veronica and Atlantic Dawn fishing vessels. John has recently returned from his latest fishing trip off the coast of Oman in the Arabian Sea. John, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thanks, Kieran, and it's a pleasure to have you up here in the Northwest. John, what made you decide to open up a restaurant in Bortonport four years ago? Um, well, the idea came about five years ago, Kieran. I travelled a lot with my other job in the fishing industry and I know it sounds a bit petty but I used to come home and the first thing you would like is a nice fry or fresh bread, butter. But the problem was I noticed around here that we hadn't got that. You couldn't um, you couldn't get up on a Sunday morning and go something for a nice breakfast so I thought is there an opening there? So my eldest son came and he was uh, working in America, Australia and I bounced off the idea and him and his friend Carton and three of us could talk and we said, why don't we open up a coffee shop? So the original idea started as a coffee shop, then it got bigger, and we call it a cafe, it's called the Wheelhouse Cafe, but in retrospect I think it's more a restaurant, but we went with the name because it sounded better than the Wheelhouse Restaurant, because we wanted to cater for everybody during the day, and if I think if we put the plug for a restaurant, it would put you into a nighttime kind of perspective. So that's where the name came from. The wheelhouse was associated with. Um, I think it took me a long time, and the building was nearly up before I came up with the name, but it associated with me being a skipper in that and the wheelhouse. But then I went away and I bought a big wheel for the side of it. So there was two different reasons for it, but. No, that, that was the main concept was uh, we knew there was a need for it and then for Armore also, the link to Burnport's the new link to Armore, always was. There just wasn't anything local to get something to eat. Simple. And just acquiring the, the building, John, can you tell me how that came about? Well, we used to walk past it and uh, there was three sisters actually that lived in it that were called the Calls. There used to be a petrol station here also. It was actually a dry hotel. It was built in the early 1800s. So we walked past it, but you wouldn't pay any attention to it. And I came back from fishing one time, and I was over at the local petrol station across the road. And I was down actually getting stuff for a fry-up, as I said, and uh, there was a for sale sign. And I thought, I looked across the road, and I said, wouldn't that be an ideal spot for somewhere now to get something to eat? So I went to the local uh, Campbell's estate agents and asked them for an offer, and luckily it was accepted, and then the idea came away from there. And when did you start uh, making renovations and looking to develop what you've developed here now? Well, 
the cafe I bought it in 2018 and then I went directly straight into the idea Dennis Boner the local architect uh, started working with him on ideas and um, there was an old shed there that was beside the house so unfortunately we couldn't salvage that because it was propped up with timber so we let it take it down and build a new and uh, we started work right away we put in for planning permits in 18 got it in 19 and or 17 and then 18 planning permits and then we had it built for May 19 and things were, were going extremely well until Covid struck in 2020 oh, the dreaded Covid yeah it was going and like it was doom and gloom around the whole country I know the way everybody was but like I always say this I was very, very lucky that I had a very strong team of people working in the cafe. I had, uh, my son came in, he was floor manager, and then I'd, there's a local girl here, Catherine Coyne, and she was in charge of the kitchen, and they weren't going to be defeated. They said, okay, we can't open up the door to the customer, but we'll open the front door and we'll do takeaways. So they kept, they kept the business alive during COVID. And how did that decision work out? Save the business because I notice now that we get a, the local people. I think they appreciated it. Like everybody was scrambling. I think at that time looking for scraps or something. And and like even we do a fish Friday there. We're we're, we're renowned for our fish and chips, and uh, we'll do chowder and things also. But you could just see people queuing up. I think it was just that escape out of the house to do something different. Just to even go for a takeaway was the norm at that stage. But uh, as I said, only for Catherine and Cayman, they just stuck with it. And then the outdoor dining came in, unfortunately, and then we had to build on a place out the back, and they stuck with that. So they just really, really put in the hard shift. And just in relation to your team, how many are working here now, John, full-time? Yeah, I have, uh, at the moment, a 14. Uh, 14 people here, and... You know, like as I said, I'm a skipper and I've worked in boats and I always believe that the people inside your building are the important people. They're important to your business. If you think that the outside or your building is more important than the people, your business is finished. And I have a great team of people there and I, I can't praise them enough. The courteous to the customers, if you read any reviews... Uh, I have a couple of young one, uh, girls there now and it's great to see them now they started with me last year and you see them now with the first car they're looking for more shifts to, for the car so it, it, you know it, it, so it doesn't sound many but for a small area like Port and Port it's a lot you know it's 14 jobs it's a lot of people We've just had uh, the Easter break, uh, a good bank holiday, and one which really signifies the start of the tour season, John. Yeah, well, we had a lot of strains, and I think it's more curiosity on people coming. We'd, uh, I noticed there was a lot of people from Northern Ireland, England, and everything. But again, we get a local trade. Even today now, you see a lot of locals there. It's Fish Friday again. And, but um, then you, you get a lot of people going into Armore Island, and over the next few weeks, you've uh, the music festivals, and then you've seven aside football. We have the uh, Gaeltacht Championships coming down Niwara. We have a four-day music fest in Dunlow. So people do travel to us, and you're quite close to the airport. And obviously, the Burton Port really walk is another attraction. 
it is of a great attraction. Uh, a lot of people do the walk, and um, and we're on the Wild Atlantic Way. As you're coming from the south, there you have to pass us really to get into Burton Port to continue your journey to go around Bicking Castle or down towards Cagfin. So, um, if you're hungry, you have to pass us. That's the way. John, we are upstairs uh, in your house that is next to the Cafe Stroke restaurant. We're look- overlooking the lake, and uh, just to our right, as we look out the window, there's is, uh, a lot of development going on. Can you tell our listeners what's happening outside? Yes, Kieran, it's, uh, I suppose, another crazy idea, but uh, actually it was an idea the time I thought of the cafe. I always had it in my head, but I never... I always wanted to make sure that the cafe was stabilised first before I came up. So I went back to Dennis Boner again. I said, Dennis, I have an idea. And he just shook the head and he says, oh, not again. But um, I decided that with the accommodation, the Burton Port didn't have accommodation. You had people going out to Armour and Armour hasn't got a lot of accommodation. And I was thinking, right, let's tap into that market. Let's people uh, come here stay, they can walk, 10 minute walk down to the ferry, go down more for the day, you know, have a few beers, have something, whatever they want to tour the island, come back in the evening ferry and go back and relax here alongside the lake. And then if they want something to eat, they've only 30 metres to walk up to the cafe. But so we're building uh, at the moment and I'm hoping that we might be open for the June Bank holiday weekend, uh, but it's great work by Tom Plan and it plantire he's a local lad um just a gentleman to work with but we have nine glamping pods and three of them will have jacuzzis so anybody that wants the bubbles but you're only 10 12 meters away from the lake so you wake up in the morning sun shining the ducks are swimming past your front window where else would you get it john you just you started this uh development just at the start of the year so you're looking at a five-month turnaround yeah and that's what I said, only like for the professionalism of Tom and working with him, it's just meet meet him every few days or every morning. I actually meet him every morning at 10 o'clock. We have the breakfast in the cafe, bounce a couple of ideas, and he just goes full gong-ho. So for a project that's so big, five months is a short time. But it's down to Tom at the end of the day. And... When that is up and running, John, that's going to result in the creation of a number of new jobs as well? Yeah, well, I'm hoping to, they'll have another four jobs there, but then uh, we're still bouncing the idea that we'll be doing catering from the cafe down to the pod, so then it might increase a few more jobs in the cafe. So, potentially, you could be looking at a total between the two of about 20 jobs, mm-hmm. which is a lot. John, before I pulled in uh, for our interview, uh, I took a run round by the port and down th- through the town. It seems to be undergoing something of a resurgence. Badly needed, Kieran. Um, it was, say, 10 or 12 years there, Bortonport was at its lowest because I fished in Bortonport back in the 80s with my uncles and one of my uncles had a thriving pub there, the Skipper's Tavern, and boats were coming unloaded and activity. And then it just, the fishing died and the village died. And... Um, I think that was probably one of the reasons why I wanted to invest back into it, too, to see could we get back something into the community. But um, the council are investing four million now, and also regeneration and are more. So they're 
they've all the groundwork done there and they've tendered I believe for new buildings for offices for the ferries and harbour master etc etc and we have a few other developments start in Burton Port starting now and I think that if people see positive things happening you'll get a positive reaction and I think that there'll be more people wanting to come in and do something else in the area. Do you get the sense uh, of a new beginning for Burtonport? I do. I do, and I'm picking it up off the local people too. Like anybody I'm speaking to now that's talking about the development we're doing with the pods, it's all excitement, looking forward to it. Now, they might never stay in it. You know, the local person might never stay in it, but... I think it's just they want to see something happening in the area. You know, they don't just don't, don't want to drive down a dreary road. And there was an idea I thought of there that maybe just before the opening, I was going to do an open day. So let the local people come in and maybe we'll have a couple of bits out of the cafe down for them and they can have a look around because once the residents start coming the people can't come onto the site so just leave it open let them come down have a look enjoy the scenery the lake and then that's everybody happy then John would I be right in, in saying that you have a great sense of, of pride for what you've created so far and what is about to be created out the back here um I don't know. Yeah, I'm proud. Of course, I'm proud. I'm proud of the team that's working with me and that I'm working with. Um, I think just it's a feel good for Burton Port, you know, because I remember I was fresh. I came from Scotland. My mother's originally from Rutland Island, and I came here when I was ten years of age. And I started fishing here when I was 16. Sorry, John, is, can you take us back just to the, the, the day that you landed here? We, we talked about it uh, off air. I remember it. Um, we left Scotland and myself, my sister Caroline, who's been a great influence for me. She She's the kind of person to bounce everything off. She'll tell me if it's a silly idea or not. But uh, we came with Anthony Doherty coaches, my mother and, and then my brothers and father were following suit with uh, Laurie coming from Scotland with the furniture but I'll never forget the day we came down we pulled outside the Burton Port Fisherman Co-op and we got out of the bus and it's a memory that always sticks in my mind even though I was only 10 and I remember smelling the salt air I remember getting out of the bus like we came from a city so that was the first thing that struck me Was that a bit of a culture shock? No, it was like we used to come on holidays when we were younger but we, we always thought it was an adventure and I suppose when you're 10 you think it's just an extended holiday, you don't, the penny doesn't drop that you're actually coming to live, if that makes sense. But the penny dropped after about a year or two and we had to try and learn Irish, so. How did that go? No, it didn't go at all. We had to forget about the Irish. Did you get any Irish at all? Tan Neil, that was it. So, John, you, you mentioned your, your fishing background. Um, how young were you or what age were you when you took up uh, fishing as a full-time job? 16. I started when I was 16. And uh, my uncle had a 65-foot boat in Burtonport, the Darnet, so he took me out for the summer and then I went to Greencastle then down to the fishery school, um, the BIM fishery school. Um, a 16 year away from home, staying in digs down there, but that's the way it was that time. Was that a good experience for you? It was, as I said again, it was an adventure, you know, it was okay for the first few weeks, but I was luckily enough that I had an auntie down there, uh, my mother's sister, Harkin, and you could go and visit her, and then my cousin, she worked in the office of the school, so it wasn't too bad, and then 
I done that and then I started came back then in December and started fishing with my uncle then so can you remember your first escapade away as a full time fisherman I do I remember we were going out and, and I loved it I was so proud I remember standing up on the bridge with my uncle all the way to the fishing grounds I was all excited you know but uh no, I didn't think it was my blood because I came from a city, so, you know, I was born in a city. I remember when I was growing up, I always wanted to be a policeman. So, uh, I never thought about the fishing until my uncle asked me to go fishing. But then I got I got the bait, and once you get the bait to the fishing, that's it. You, you're, there's no stopping you after that. John, can you talk to me about how your own career progressed uh, in oh, the yeah. fishing industry? Right, um well as I said I started sixteen with, with uh fishing with my uncle and um that was white fishing for cod and monk and things like that. That was hard fishing. That was open deck stuff, standing out in the rain you know, it would harden you up but then I got an opportunity then to go to Killy Beggs, so Killy Beggs was always kinda of known as the holy grail of for the fishermen. All these big boats and you thought it was great. And uh, I got a job with Kevin McHugh's company on uh, the Veronica. And I went, luckily enough, I got the job in the deck on her, but unfortunately the boat went on fire up in Belfast in Harlan Wolf, so I had to return back to Bortonport to fish with my other uncle James, and then I went crabbing with Ross Classen. And then the new Veronica came on stream in 93, Kevin McHugh called me and asked me if I'd like to join, so I went on the new Veronica, she was a freezer trawler, but she worked all round Scotland, Bay of Biscay, but landed in Holland, Germany, all the European countries. So that was the run up to that then. Uh, so I skippered that vessel. So just in terms of the role of the skipper, John, can you explain that to me? It's the boss. The buck, the buck stops with the skipper, that's it. You're responsible for that time there was 40 men on the boat engineers everything you're responsible for catching the fish you're responsible for their wages at the end of the day if you don't catch fish there's no wages and there we will take a break Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills ATU are offering a level 9 executive MBS in leadership and innovation based around action learning starting late April take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie You're welcome back. Before the break, John was talking about the role of the skipper. The box ops for the skipper, that's it. Big responsibility. But funny, I never feared me. You know, I think if you go with fear, it's like anything. If I had to go with fear with building the cafe or doing the project down the back, I think if you have fear, you're not going to go anywhere. You know, as I say, stay positive. If you think positive, it'll happen. But if you start to get fear and be negative, you're just going to doubt yourself. But no, luckily it was Kevin McGoo. Was, he was very good to me now. He... Um, I was only very young at the time, like handing over a 25, 30 million pound boat to a young man. It's, it's a big responsibility on him. But obviously, John, he, he had huge trust in you. He did. And then he built a 50 million pound boat called the Atlantic Dawn. And he took me off the Veronica and put me on horn. I had to skip her horn as well. As I said, another part of it, I remember the first day I was leaving the quay. He was standing, we were leaving the Canary Islands, and he was standing in the quay just looking up and he'd, uh, I don't know if it was fear or what there was in him, but no, it worked out good in the end. How did you feel that first day? 
proud. I didn't have any fear at all. I was excited looking away. We had actually a very good trip, the first trip we went out. So uh, we fished down the west coast of Africa and then we relocated to South America. So, like, it's been a worldwide journey, you know. Just leads to the next question. It was a great way to see the world, John. It was, but, it, you know, Kieran, I say this to people and they probably find it hard to believe between South America and all Europe and Africa and everything it's nice to get home like I remember times I would come home and you'd be driving in from like Kenny across me in Roy like and there's, there's no better feeling like people probably drive it every day and don't see what they see like even in Burton Port um, I was only in Sleeve League there two years ago for the first time you don't know what's on your doorstep and we should appreciate what we have because a way foreign is not as green as the grass as they think. Mm. You know? So did the COVID lockdowns sort of impact your view and your thinking about what is around you now? It did. I think it had everybody around them. Like, you know, you, you take in what's around you more. You don't need to go away to find something nice. Like only if you take... Uh, we could come back to Arnmore of Sleeve League is 35 minutes up the road Hornhead's only 25 minutes down the road you have Glenvay you have beautiful beaches here and Clocklass and you know no I think people should look more over, out their window of their car I think they did during Covid but now they were all speeding up again they're starting to forget so uh, by virtue of what you said John do you feel that Donegal uh, and particularly the Wild Atlantic Way as nearing or starting to get maybe near as potential I think so well we had the other issue there for years where the road the, the coach roads used to come to Donegal Town Kelly Beggs or Dran into Glenties and turn and go back up the road again and now they're after a hundred million investment so the road from Glenties now is done down to Dunlow which is Lincoln now to go to Glenvay so I think that was a major improvement and we notice here in the cafe we get a lot of people coming from our dry Glenties Dunfanny Guidor so people will commute for something nice and and I hope that the people that are doing the Wild Atlantic Way don't just stop at Sligo and turn back south again that they keep coming because you have as I said Hornhead and I think on the um I think they're actually on the blue way and that they're trying to contact now Armour across to the Giants Causeway. So that'll help us also. John, just in terms of being able to balance uh, running your business here, keeping an eye on the new development and still uh, fulfilling the role of a skipper uh, in the fishing sector, uh, are you going to reach this point some stage soon where one's going to have to maybe take a back seat? Uh, I probably will at some stage, but uh, you can't wake up in the morning and say, right, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I think you just have to let things happen as they happen. Um, I get this project up and running. I have, as I said, I have a good team. The cafe there, I only minimally have to get involved in it. Um, I let them do the running of it. If there's a few things I want to change or do, and I, I have a good team but I don't want to say who they are yet. Uh, picked for my glamping pod site, and I know they'll work very well. And I think minimally I'll have to work on that as well. If it, that's why I like picking good people, that I don't have to be running after them and let that pay, pay them for what they're supposed to do. I'm sure in your 40 years as a skipper, you'll be able to pick out the best. Uh, you, can, you can learn a good sense of people, but... Um, 
I think if you appreciate people, you know, it's not about it's not all about the person you hire. I think the boss has to be good to the people, you know, listen to them. You know, there's a fine line. I remember my father saying to me one time when I took over skipping, there's a fine line between a friend to somebody and a boss. You know, so it's to find that fine line and appreciate them for what they do. You know, even though you're paying them, you still have to appreciate what they do for you. You know, that's my main thought on my staff. John, you were very involved in the uh, local Gaelic club and, and took charge of, of a number of teams during the years as well. Yeah, well, I was involved with uh, Hugh G. McGarvey there way back, I was eight, nine years ago. We uh, we got involved with the under-16s. And I enjoyed it because I was fishing at Kelly Beggs at the time and had the summer off, but that took up a wee bit of time. But we won the county that year. And then Eugene took charge of... Um, the senior squad for a year but then kind of found I went back fishing then I was away foreign fishing I didn't have the time for it anymore so um, now I enjoyed the stint that I'd done and it was great that we won something but it was just another chapter to get over When was your last uh, fishing trip John? I'm back six weeks now I was out in the, we were out fishing off the coast of Oman in the Arabian Sea for the same company so uh but the fishing now is starting to slow down for the summer time, uh, so the boats will tie up, so I might get a bit more time to concentrate on this project here. Tell me, Johnson, setting up uh, this business and getting ready to set up your, your next business, what's the best lesson that you've learned to date? Patience and positivity. Don't, like even though you might have a few barriers, don't... Uh, don't think you're beat. You'll always get a, a way out of it. Or don't let people... Like, I'll be honest with you, Karen, when I was building the cafe, and I'll be brutally honest, the amount of people that came back a year later after I'd done it and said, we thought you were off your head, what you were doing. You know, but I was sure of what I'm doing. And probably there's probably people saying the same about the glamping site there. But I believe it'll do well and even talking to you today to get a bit of exposure people are saying hmm I wonder what he is doing down there let's go and have a wee look so it's great to get exposure like yourself to come and help small businesses like me to uh, get that exposure uh, you mentioned your sister as someone you'd uh, bounce an idea off would she be your main go to person or your main mentor John if you're just not sure about something yeah of course, even when I was with the cafe, and then when I, uh, I would always go to her. I went with the idea, and she says, "Off you have in your head." Other people were telling me, "No, you're off your head." But um, no, Caroline is. Um, we've always bounced well off. And then when I was away foreign, she would come down and make sure the concrete was dry or the windows were in. She was my link back to the boat when I was building the cafe, and. Uh, no, I would listen to her a lot. If she said no, 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 I, I would take a lot. I would take it, and I mightn't necessarily agree with her, but I would listen to what she says. And a number of your children are involved here in the business as well, John. Yeah, I have a son and daughter. Um, they're working in next door, and uh, it's great to have them on board. Um, you know, it's all about family. Like I have cousins working there as well, relatives, and uh, hopefully. I have a few more relatives working down in the glamping site, so it's it's great that the family, but it's all about leaving money in the area, you know. 
And just in relation to uh, your son and daughter involved, John, does that younger generation give you uh, a different insight into maybe what people expect or what people uh, might be looking for now? Exactly. If I go back to uh, what, like they'll bounce ideas off, if I go back to my son came in when we were originally building the cafe, I remember the day we were going through the menu and he says, oh, we'll do avocados. My question was, what was an avocado? We never heard of an avocado around Burtonport before. But uh, he, he said it was very popular in Australia and, and like, if people understand the cafe is not a cafe, it's not like just fish and chips like we do, you know, vegetarian, we do avocado breakfast, we do fish Fridays, we roast dinners on a Sunday, you'll get a club sandwich, an omelette, anything you want. If we don't have it, we'll try and make it for you. So we're kind of a cross between a cafe and a restaurant. That's the way we put it. And just in relation to your openers, John? Yeah, at the moment we're opening from 9am to 6am. Breakfast runs from 9 to 11.30. And then the lunches start at 12.30 on a Sunday. We normally roast beef, cod, turkey and ham. We're, we do be very busy with the Sunday dinners. And then you've also got the outside seating areas which can seat 50 people. So nice weather. They can actually sit and enjoy the lake, the view of the sea as well in the background. Are you glad that you've taken the decisions you've taken, John, over the last number of years? Yes. As I said, uh, the first year when we got hit with COVID, I still wasn't negative. You know, I was thinking, oh, we will get over it, it'll come good. I, I think being in with the regeneration, it's better to be in at the start. You know, like, if they do regenerate port and port now, and then we had to come up with the idea of the cafe, I think you're too late. As I said, if I'm doing something, somebody else will do something also. And I believe that this is a stepping stone for other businesses to come into port and port. And the timing for your development here with the pods uh, seems the right time as well? It does seem the right time as uh, you would think with the... Uh, inflation and everything has gone on but I think with the Ukrainian crisis one of the main problems we have here in this area now is accommodation and the cafe has to survive on on the tourist industry so if we can't provide accommodation in the area how do I get the tourists to come even to earn more so it's vital that we offer the accommodation as I said there'll be hot tubs and everything and uh then we have other glamping sites over in Dunfanny and that, so hopefully we can all work together. John, is there a person and business that you admire most? Hmm. I don't... I think Kevin McHugh, I think, would have been the person, like, I used to talk away to him and I used to watch. He, would, he was always the kind of man, when you would talk to him, he had a vision for five years down the line it wasn't next year he would think of five ten years down the line I think that's where generally I get some of my ideas from so you would have learned a lot from him I learned a lot I remember the day the Atlantic Dawn came to Killy Beggs and we were in the hotel the launching party and I said to him Kevin are you not worried about spending 50 million on a boat and he said John if you owe the bank 50,000 he says you're in trouble you owe them 50 million they're in trouble have you thought of that line often since you embarked on, on, on this new project? No, the bank's not going to get near any of that, so they'll be all right. <laughs> Just looking to the uh, tourist season ahead for this year, 
John, are you, are you hopeful uh, of a good season? I am. As I said, uh, I was just briefly speaking about the June Bank holiday weekend there with uh, all that's going on, Aaron Moore, Niamh Wara and Dunlow. And then the May Bank holiday's coming, so now we... For Easter now we were busy. We, we did notice a big markup, a big rise. But I think people with their good social media that we have now on Instagram and Facebook and everything, I think people uh, are curious about this wheelhouse. I think that's what is this place that they're all raving about. So, and luckily, as I said, they are raving. And uh, no, hopefully this podcast now will uh, generate some more business for us and people will come and enjoy the food. Uh, I asked you uh, about the biggest lesson that you've learned uh, John what's the biggest challenge that you face today in this project or in general um, I suppose I haven't haven't faced any big challenge the only challenge is get waking up in the morning wondering when you're doing the right thing you know every other challenge can be overcome if you can overcome your own self doubt then that's the biggest challenge you'll ever get I think uh, when we started uh, the interview earlier John you mentioned the fact that you, you wanted to become a policeman where did that idea come from? I don't know I think it was just I was tall at the time I just thought I would become a policeman and just for our listeners what height are you? Uh, 6 foot 5 I feel, I feel very small this day you're done no I don't know I think it was just when you were over and well, as I said we live in Scotland and then you would see the police coming and the police cars that all look fascinating so that was an idea at the time my mother wanted me to become a priest but it's a good job that didn't come to fruition uh, John you, you've uh, two uncles uh, Liam who is deceased and Terry and Balbuffet our listeners will be very familiar with them as well yeah that's right you've uh, Terry and Balbuffet and Marty and Stephen who own Riley Sports they're uh, first cousins of mine and then my uncle Liam he was um, they're all from Belmullet actually my father and Terry and them they were from Belmullet but uh, Liam Lavendel I think Liam was more famous than Daniel O'Donnell at one stage but uh, unfortunately he lost his leg when he was 28 in an accident in Killy Beggs but uh, my auntie Margaret and uh, my cousin Martina they're the two best ambassadors for the Wheelhouse Cafe I'm very surprised they haven't got t-shirts on I was saying maybe they'll come on the payroll shortly, John. <laughs> I think so. Margaret, anyway. But uh, no, Terry, Terry's great. Uh, he comes down to visit him and Lena now and again, and Marty as well, and Stephen. So it's great that they're doing well also. I'll give them a wee plug too. But um, I suppose they've got the old blood in them too. That's where maybe some of the business comes from. But but we'll say Margaret, Margaret's the best ambassador I have at the minute. <laughs> And finally, John, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? Um, I hope I hope the business can enhance Port and Port. You know, it's, it's, some people will look at it and say that you're trying to make money, uh, millions out of it. You're not trying to make millions, you're just trying to run a business and keep your head above water. And I hope that we can bring local people to the area like let's not forget that if people come to stay with me or somewhere close by they'll go down to the local bar for a drink they'll go on the ferry they'll go up to Dunlow and do a bit of shopping they'll go to the Petrus so everybody's going to make a turn out of it and I think if everybody can work together all the businesses and I believe that there's a, there's a local guy now he informed me that 
he's building a new vessel now to do sea safaris. So, you know, if I work with him and he works with us and everybody, you know, I think in, I said it four years ago, I, think, I said five years' time, portal boom. Do you think in two years' time it will be booming? John Riley, owner of the Wheelhouse in Burtonport, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Well, thank you, Kieran, for calling down, as I said, up to us, and uh, it's great to have you down. Thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, John Riley. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation based around action learning starting late April. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie.